Hi gang! Welcome to Effin Hormones, the podcast about perimenopause and beyond. If you're new to us, it's basically me, my pals, Bina, Terry and Helen, having a bit of a moan about our hormones, trying to have a laugh where we can, and having a good old swear, because quite frankly, having a swear is entirely appropriate at this time of life. Now, in this episode, you're going to hear from the TV presenter, journalist and author, Louise Minchin. Way before Davina McCall was presenting documentaries about the menopause, Louise was talking about her own experiences on BBC Breakfast, which all came about because Louise was going through menopause herself. Well, you'll hear from her in a bit, but it's time to catch up with the gang. Well, three of us, because Bina can't be with us this time, sadly, but Helen and Terry are here. Here we are. Hi girls, how's it going? Good, thank you. Right, guess what I've just ordered today? I don't know. Readers. Glasses? Yes. Get, get your uh, magnifying <laughs> glass with the light on. I've got, I've, got, I've got reading glasses now as well. We've talked about this before, haven't we? Because I moved to my varifocals last year. And um, they did that thing where, because I like wearing my contact lenses, and they did that thing where they said, all right, just wear one contact lens now. Anyway, I was sort of struggling a bit. And then the most recent time, they were like, put the two contact lenses back in. And I'm, I feel like I've got two eyes. I feel like a snail because I feel like my two eyes are on stalks because they're like both focusing so differently. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And this, I rang them up today and they were like, no, no, no. You're supposed to wear your readers with it. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay. I've got, I've got to get the old people's glasses. Yeah. 1.5. I bought some funky ones. They're blue. Blue John Lennon glasses. Mine are green. Are they? <laughs> I thought I'm going to get a funky colour because otherwise I'll get confused between that and my proper glasses. Yeah. Which are great classic, getting old, isn't it? Classic tortoiseshell. Well, I'm thinking I'm sort of rocking the prue leaf kind of different coloured glasses look anyway. Mm. Anyway, I'll wear them next time. They'll have arrived by then. You'll have to let me know what you think. It's all about being middle-aged, isn't it? Midlife, please. We like midlife. Sorry, yes. <laughs> so how's it all going with everyone? Everyone's health good this week, this month? Not too bad. I'm absolutely shattered today, but I don't know what, what's going on. But it's just, uh, you know, I don't know if you, ever, if you ever have those days where you just can't, not even brain fog, it's like you just can't seem to wake up. You need a holiday. I actually booked yeah. a holiday today for, for March, so you've got something to look forward to. So, yay. Oh, yeah, nice. Madeira. Uh, as someone pointed out, like it's like a bit like a nursing home on an island. So. <laughs> I'll fit right in. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, my yeah. sister went. She loved it. They have very particular wine, don't they, Madeira wine? They do. It's very nice. I'll go with the in-laws. So, yeah. So, hopefully hopefully they won't, they're not listening. Oh, good. <laughs> Should be fun. So, I've got a bit of an HRT update, or a lack of HRT update, should I say, because I can't get my hands on progesterone. So remember last year, there was a bit of an estrogen shortage in the country. Well, I ran out of progesterone three, just over three weeks ago and have not been able to get any. So the prescription has gone to the chemist. I've gone to the chemist and said, have you got it? No, we can't get it. They cannot get hold of it. Oh, my God. So I'm just waiting and I just don't know what to do. Have you actually stopped taking it now? Have you run out? Yeah, I ran out three weeks ago. Oh, and I've been taking the other bit, so I've been taking my estrogen and my testosterone, but not the progesterone. And I suppose I, I don't know what the repercussions are of that. 
Um, you should probably speak to your GP about that because the whole point of um, if you still have a womb, that's why you have to take progesterone because it helps you clear the lining. It's the endometrium, the lining of the womb. It, make, it prevents it from getting too thick and uh, causing any mm. womb cancer. So we're not doctors, but you should speak to your GP if you're continuing to take your oestrogen but not taking any progesterone. I should, you know, I just, I kind of thought in my head, oh, well, it'll just be a day or two that I won't have it. And the longer it's gone on, I've just forgotten and I've just carried on my routine of just taking my oestrogen. But now I think about it, those have been prescribed very specifically, all three, in very specific dosages. So to suddenly change it is a bit stupid, actually, now I think about it. So, right, I will ring my GP tomorrow. Yeah, I know you're not alone because there's a lot of talk on um, various online communities of people having the same problem. And you can get your prescription released from one pharmacy if you have a preferred pharmacy to see if you can get it stocks in other pharmacies mm. around the area. So that's the only other thing you can try. But I know that lots of people are having the same issue. I had a friend over Christmas who was in, in dire straits trying to get hold of, I think it was oestrogen. But, you know, we someone one of our guests, I can't remember who it was, was talking about the... Oh, it was... It was um, Dr. Louise Newsom was saying that there hasn't just been a spike in demand for for HRT. There's a there's a there's a growing demand for HRT, and it's only going to continue to grow. But they're not meeting that demand, so that there is a huge problem. But progesterone, it was a matter of time before that was going to be um, people were going to be yeah. unable to get that because there's only you know the eutrogestin is the only micronized progesterone at the moment, so that I know of anyway. But um, yeah, yeah, the chemist did actually say that to me. They said you could try ringing around other chemists which I haven't got around to doing yet yeah yeah you can try that and how are you feeling in yourself Ems I mean have you had any sort of changes in your symptoms or anything like that no but I, I mean I am still waking up every few hours and I am starting to get hot flushes again so I do need to sort it out don't I I really do oh, god <sighs> just when you think everything's sorted I know I mean, how did you feel when you sort of saw the bottle going down? Was, I mean, Oh, it's pills for progesterone. Pills. But oh, yeah, I, I did feel a bit nervous. Well, weirdly, weirdly, me and the baby both take a pill every day. Hers is for her thyroid. And for some reason, we've totally coordinated, so we both run out at exactly the same time. So I always get the baby's pill and my pill prescription at exactly the same time. But she got hers, luckily. So I think I mean, when you're a mother, you're just more caught up in what, whether they're okay, aren't you? Really, of so I'm not are. really thinking yeah, about yeah, yeah. oh, I've run out of my pills. I'm not that bothered. But if it was the baby's pills, I'd be knocking down every door of every chemist in the whole of Greater Manchester, wouldn't I? I think you should do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Since I had an issue with oestrogen um, and getting oestrogen last year, I've made a point of ordering at least a month before I know I'm going to need it because it has taken me a month to two months to get hold of a prescription so if and when you get this maybe start ordering it more frequently so that you know that you've got you've got it coming in or or you've got time to have a buffer rather than waiting till it you know it's going to run out then at least even if there's a couple of weeks overlap when you've got two prescriptions the other thing is actually if in in England when we pay for prescriptions it makes more financial sense to try and Get, if you get a three-month um, prepaid prescription, to try and get one at the, the beginning, a prescription for something, yes. and one at the end of that three months, and then it makes some savings. That's just me anyway. I'm a bit of a tight ass, But, you know, you just try – if you no, try and do that, idea. then you can, you can plan ahead a bit. I always want them to give me more because I don't want to have to ring the doctor every single month. You know, there's only 30 tablets in each packet and they won't give me any more. It's like, really? I don't want to have to bother my doctor every month and oh, wow. ring them and go, can I another prescription and – I always yeah I always ask for three months but sometimes it depends on the GP who does the prescription sometimes I get a three month supply sometimes I get a two month supply 
it, it varies so much, doesn't it? I guess yeah, depending on yeah. what doctor you're with, or yeah. Yeah, it is a lottery. Oh, it is a lottery. Crikey. Right, it is time now for the A to Z of peri and menopause. This is where you get to find out about the myriad of different things that can go on as we work our way through the alphabet. I can't believe this. We must be about halfway, right? Letter N. That's about halfway, isn't it? Uh, And you may not be surprised to hear that we are talking night sweats. I had to whisper that in a sinister way. (laughs) (laughs) They are sinister. Oh my goodness me, they are something else. Right, so now, I've never I've never had night sweats, so talk me through it. Yeah, so I think I'm right in saying that I'm the only one that's had hot flushes in our gang, right? No. Terry? I've had I've had the vase of motor symptoms where I I can't control my temperature, but I don't have the hot sweats, but I do have night sweats. I don't have hot flushes, sorry, but I do have night sweats. Ah, okay. See I I had the hot flushes, but then the night sweats were like a next level up and it's interesting um i know louise has described night sweats as running a marathon in in the amazon or in a in a jungle because you feel like the humidity is off the scale and i had occasions and it really only happened to me for the first year of perimenopause so we're talking about when i was 45 46 i haven't had it for a good four or five years it was sort of at the beginning stages but it was so bad i would wake up in the middle of the night and i would be dripping. I mean, not just slightly hot that you get in a hot flush or or feel like you're boiling hot. You are dripping in sweat. To the extent that on many, many nights I would get up and have to turn the light on and go and find a new set of pyjamas. I mean, I probably should have had a full shower and even on some occasions I would change the sheets in the middle of the night because you are lying in a puddle of your own make. It's absolutely revolting Mm -hmm. it's like nothing you can explain really and it doesn't happen every night and it certainly didn't happen for a very long period i probably cope with it for about a year but yeah they are next level temperature malfunctioning really in the middle of the night so no wonder your sleep's buggered if you're going through that you know every few nights it really is a horrific (laughs) experience to be honest it can happen a couple of times a night as well. So when I get them, I don't get them now as frequently. Mm. Now I'm on HRT, but I was getting them every night. I was getting them at least twice a night. So I'd wake up, I'd be drenched, but I'd be cold. So I'd wake up and I'd be cold and then I'd feel all mm. like drenched but cold. It would just be awful. So change, get changed. Instead of changing the bedding, because you can't when there's someone else in the bed, put, try, try and sneak around, put a, a, a towel down, turn the, turn the pillow over because the pillow is absolutely soaked. Turn it all over, get back into bed, wake up a couple Good of hours tip. later, rinse and repeat, literally rinse and repeat. So, yes, yeah, so, I don't have them as frequently, but when I have them, it's so annoying. But, yeah, I don't get them quite as bad either. I'm not quite as drenched, but, um, yeah, I still get them. I'm sure that's why I've still got so many pyjamas because you just have to get through so many, don't you? Like the yeah. washing piles up by the end of the week. Um, so something that Abigail bought me, actually, my sister, was a brilliant, a cooling pillow. I don't know if people have used oh. these before. And they're sort of gel-filled things. Funny enough, you can buy them for dogs as well for heat waves. It's a good top tip. Anyway, um, and they're these sort of blue plasticky things. Um, you can put a pillowcase on the top of it and they I don't know how they work there's some chemicals in it like cooling chemicals and when you I used to keep it next to my bed and then when I had one of these night sweats or even just a hot flush at night I would put it on top of my other pillow and it really just cools your face it's like putting your face in a fridge it's fantastic 
And then I went next level up and bought some cooling sheets as well. But they weren't like this sort of um, chemical one. They were just some type of sheet that would always just stay cool. I don't know how it works. It's science. It's magic. It really is incredible. <laughs> but it really did work. I mean, you have to go and find these solutions when you're... It's, it's the magic of science. Do we know why they happen? The hypothalamus, is it, in your brain? That's the one. It, it stops regulating temperature. That's what regulates your temperature. So you can also have, people can also feel the cold more when they're going through menopause. So if it, once it starts to... Yeah, I have heard that, yeah. Yeah, so basically lack of hormones makes it go a bit haywire. It'll be effing hormones, Helen. That's what it'll be. Yeah, I used to be fine in the heat. I used to, you know, I travelled a lot and I've been abroad a lot, but I can't cope now with the idea of going somewhere hot. I just can't cope with it because my body feels like I'm going to collapse when I'm in the heat. So, and that heat wave last year was just... Oh my God, Terry, that's such a shame because, I mean, I've, I've seen how much you've travelled and I see your pictures and how much mm. you enjoyed it and that's that's really crap. Yeah, well, it is because it's actually, it affects now where we plan to go. So actually last year we were planning on going to like, going up north somewhere, like going to, to cold countries like Denmark or Norway, whereas normally we go mm. to Asia because I just know I can't cope with the heat anymore. So, yeah, I mean, if we got away, we never actually got away. It'd be brilliant to do that well, yeah, but then you said it also affects your ability to cope with the cold as well. Yeah. And I feel like I really struggle with the cold as well. So you can't go to a cold, you can't go to hot, you just have to stay in Manchester. Fuck, that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I know, in the rain. In the case floods. you don't know, international listeners, that's where we all are. Manchester, England. Yeah, because we really sound Mancunian, don't we? Listen, some of the Effing Hormones gang have been getting in touch with us about mm. uh, about night sweats with their own experiences. So uh, Sarah had night sweats with heart palpitations. Now, I do know about heart palpitations and I hate them. They are frightening. They are horrible. She says they've improved with estrogel, but still flare up. So, Sarah, you have my sympathy on that score because mm. I know about the heart palpitations side of things. Rachel recommended cheap bed sheets because she used to have ones with like uh, expensive bed sheets with a high thread count, but actually found that that didn't keep her cool. So she got cheaper ones where there's like more of a gap between the threads and that actually kept her cooler. So that's a good tip. Thank you very much, Rachel. Good for the cost of living as well. Thank you, Rachel. Brilliant. Exactly. Save money, stay cool. Win, win. She, save money, stay cool. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be a copywriter, you know. Were you sacked? <laughs> <Piss off. laughs> This is true. I was a promotional uh, copywriter for Littlewood's catalogue. Did you not know that? I did know that, actually. I did know that. Anyway, listen, Rachel says no memory foam. So come up with a copywriting for that, please. Forget Michelle. the memory. Forget the memory. <laughs> oh, that's good. Forget the memory. Mem me memory foam is really dense, isn't it? So it's not very breathable. Yeah, it makes, per makes perfect sense, that. Oh. Michelle found that taking magnesium supplements helped her... Marnie does not have any recommendations, but she did make me laugh because she said, put the duvet on, take the fucking duvet off, rinse and repeat. <laughs> Thanks, Marnie. That's pretty much what we've all just said. Marnie, who was... Marnie, Marnie who was on a previous episode of yeah. Effing Hormones, which you must check out. It's called From the Rag to Riches. She is absolutely hilarious. She is very rude, very sweary. And um, very fucking hilarious. Thank you, Marnie. She's Always But she's right. That is, that is my... Um, modus operandi at the moment actually I haven't got a cooling pillow anymore because it's subsided it's not as bad but I still have the odd hot moment so it's just duvet off Do duvet on duvet off duvet on and also Terry's top technique and just turn the pillow over because it's always a bit cooler so yeah. that's just an easy way well of doing Sarah it. did also say she puts one foot out and yeah. I, I do find like 
I mean, I don't have nine sweats, but I do find that just the putting the one foot out does seem to make the difference for me. But, you know, I don't have yeah. nine sweats, so well, why I, listen to the me? Okey I'm sure cokey, isn't it? Why I go to the toilet every It is the okey cokey. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Anyway, thank you very much for getting in touch with your experiences and tips. We always appreciate it. If you want to communicate with us, by the way, you can find us on Facebook, Effin Hormones Podcast, and uh, click to join. Read the rules, please, and answer the questions, and then we'll let you in. Well, the rules are that we don't, you know, we're not doctors. We can't sort of recommend, you know, we can't all diagnose each other. You know, we can't recommend stuff. Do you know what I mean? That's not really allowed. But basically, we can just hang out with each other and support each other and have a bit of a swear. We can swear. I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say there were rules about being nice to people and, you know, safe space. Oh, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick rules. It's easy. Don't be a dick. That's that's, (laughs) that's rule number one. Just don't be a dick. Well, this is exciting. It's only time for you to meet Louise Minchin. I am very excited about this, as is Helen, as you can hear from the whooping there. Uh, because get this, without Louise, there would be no effing hormones. Yes, you'll find wow. out what that means in a little bit. Now, Louise has been, and in no particular order, a Team GB triathlete, an author, a contestant on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. Oh, and there was the small matter of presenting BBC Breakfast on our telly boxes for a good few years. Um, she's also got a new book coming out later this year called Fearless. And it's a celebration of intrepid, brave and courageous women who are doing extraordinary things through sports, exercise and a big love of the great outdoors. She's also the host of her Spirit podcast, which is a podcast for a community of women who inspire each other to get more active. I'm exhausted just describing her life. <laughs> Welcome to Effin Hormones, Louise. Oh, thank you so much. What a lovely, what a lovely intro. Thank you so much. And um, I mean, massive apologies, first of all, because I'm I, we, hopefully you wouldn't have said this, but I'll say this in case you weren't. I'm late. I'm very late. I'm only going to blame my. I'm going to blame my menopausal brain, and it's all because I was doing sports. So I just can't. I cannot apologise enough. And it's lovely to be here. And thank you very much for being incredibly patient. Ah, oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I was toying with the idea of whether to not to mention that you're an hour late because you forgot, but I didn't. I didn't <laughs> want to say that, Louise. No, it's half an hour, isn't it? You are, is it an hour? <laughs> you're in a safe. You're in a safe place it's because fine. So we spend a lot of time talking about brain fog. You are in a safe place. <laughs> we have yeah. all been there. We know We've about. I wouldn't there. even call yes. it a flo- fog. It's like a brain blank, is what I had. I mean, I've yeah. had this in my diary for so long. Anyway, thank you for understanding. <laughs> Really appreciate it. Oh. Well, we can't wait to have a big old chinwag with you, but uh, we'll start at the beginning talking about uh, the menopause. So tell us a bit about your menopause story and what led you to, you know, talking about it a lot, very openly on BBC Breakfast. Okay, so um, let's start at the beginning. Um, I think, first of all, I didn't realise, and this is why I'm so glad we're talking about this now and all the work I've kind of done over the last few years. I really was incredibly ignorant about menopause. Um, I had no idea what was going on with me uh, when it was happening. I had all sorts of weird and wonderful things going on. I had very bad night sweats, waking up in the middle of night like I'd run a marathon. And I know how to run marathons, but in Mm. a jungle, in humidity, three or four times a night, I was feeling incredibly anxious I'm not an anxious person I was very much um, I'm very much a glass half full person but things were really getting me down Um, and I had all sorts of weird and wonderful other physical symptoms like tinnitus like 
the worst of which probably was heart palpitations. I ended up having my heart looked at because my heart was racing all the time. That's scary, right? Yeah, scary. And, you know, ended up going and having a scan. Weird and wonderful things. But luckily I had a friend of mine who was a GP and she said, oh, hang on a second. Have you thought about, you know, perhaps this all means that you're menopausal? And I was 45 and I thought, seriously, you know, surely that's going to happen to me when I'm in my 50s. I'm not even going to have a job anymore because I would have somehow managed to kind of skip off into the horizon. It had never crossed my mind. Anyway, I went to the doctor and it turns out that's what was going on. And then what happened was I kept thinking every time we did a story about menopause on breakfast, we just got this massive, massive response. And I kept, um, Helen, well, you, you know, you work very closely down the corridor from me talking to my lovely producers. Go on. This is the reason why, I mean, let's just do this now. This is the reason yeah. why Effing Hormones exists, you know, because without you doing Menopause Week on BBC Breakfast, then it gave me the idea because... When you yeah. did Menopause Week on BBC Breakfast, we were on a large floor in a large building, lots of people there. Every single woman over 40 was talking about it in that really? office all week. And wow. so, you know, everything was going on. And I was thinking, this is fantastic. There needs to be a podcast. There needs to be a podcast for all these women because nobody stopped talking about it all week. And I was really? like, okay. See, I don't, yeah. it's so funny, so isn't it? Because I used to walk past you every day and did, I didn't know that was going on. So for me, I knew that there was a massive kind of appetite from the audience. And I kept saying to my lovely producers, can we please do something on menopause, please? And, you know, there was always a reason not to. Like, you know, the small matter... I'm, I'm joking, of course, of a general election or Brexit or my, my daughter's in the corner raising her eyebrows. I mean, how me, dare the they? Yeah, you know, all these important <laughs> things that sort of got in the way. Um, eventually, um, she came up to me, my producer, and she said, right, we're going to do we're going to do a week on menopause. And the reason I w she knew about it was I'd had to kind of out myself in the office because... One of my main problems was was overheating and I'd been overheating in the studio. And obviously that's overheating, as you all know, in front of six million people. The thought of sweaty armpits was enough to make me have more sweaty armpits. <laughs> Anyway, did you have a handheld so fan? I found them invaluable. Well, no, but of course, on, on breakfast television, no. I mean, you couldn't, you know, I couldn't be, Can't. no. No, so I used to have to try and have the heating turned down every day and it was really awkward. Anyway, so that's why I'd sort of outed myself within with in front of my work colleagues and that was the most embarrassing conversation I've ever had to go and tell my my manager at the time look you know I'm not making a fuss about the heating I've actually got a medical issue and this is the reason why I need it like fridge a fridge in the studio I'm kind of meandering but but my point is Lisa came to me who my lovely producer she said we're going to do a menopause we're going to do a whole week and I was like a week? I thought maybe we'd do a piece on it. Um, and she said, yeah, the thing is that we want you to front the piece. And, you know, mm. I'm not stupid. I know that if you get me to front the piece, it's going to be a completely different week. But that took an mm -hmm. awful lot of, um, you know, I'd chat to my family and thought, because it's just like all those kind of taboos and things you think, you know, you don't want, you know, it's really personal, isn't it? And it's really embarrassing. Mm. And perhaps it's it's mm. career mm. limiting and all those mm. things were going through my head. But I just thought, you know what? I've done lots of crazy things in sport. Let's just jump off and do this thing. Because I know that if I talk, then it's going to be much more personal and probably relatable. But the key mm. thing that happened at the time and why, and it's really strange looking back now because... You know, I look back at the piece I did, the little film I did, and I couldn't make that film anymore. And I couldn't, I cannot express the thoughts that I was going to in the same way because at the time I was not on HRT. I was self-medicating and I was in a really difficult place.
I was finding it really hard. I wasn't myself. I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. And I look back at that, Louise, and you look at the back, the one who's just turned up an hour late for a podcast, but laughing, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm too. You feel yourself people. again then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is probably more, you know, I, I, it's probably nothing to do with my home. It's just to do with me and sport. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, so it was a really, it was a really interesting time. And it's really interesting looking back at how on the kind of personal way on the big, I've done it, I've been on a big journey and that sounds really cliched, but it's true. Well, it's amazing, isn't it? How much has changed since then? And even since we've started this podcast, you know, how much mm-hmm. it's been talked about in the media and amongst women and amongst everybody. Just looking back at that time, was it really a difficult decision to to break that taboo? And I mean, you talked about yeah. discussing it with your family. Were you really concerned that it, it could massively yeah. backfire on you? Because people just weren't talking about it back then, were they? I think also, um, in some ways, menopause is my superpower because I sort of don't care in a way that I would have cared more. Do you see what I mean? So it gives you, I think it gives you a little bit of an edge, doesn't it? And I sort of thought, well, do you know what? Actually, I know this is important and I don't care. And it might have repercussions for me and it could have gone any way. You know, I kind of felt like a bit like sort of jumping off a... You know, like I have done in my real life in endurance sport, jumping off a ferry into a dark in a in a icy fjord that's got orcas swimming in it. You know, that's not an exaggeration. I did feel <laughs> okay, genuinely very amazing. scared <laughs> because you just didn't. I didn't know how I was going to land. I didn't know how it was going to land, but I just thought, I don't care. Just with that little menopause superpower, you know what? Let's do this thing. Let's see how it goes. And it was amazing, you know, like you say, Helen, everybody talking about it. I felt we went that week on an extraordinary journey because I learned so much about menopause itself, about myself, about how it affected other people. And we really went on a journey with the whole audience. We did, you know, the, the week, we couldn't have predicted how it would have ended that week, actually. And it sort of got into this kind of like real, you know, this sort of roller coaster of information. And they thought about it really carefully. And we'd done lots of different you know, we talked to different types of people, going through different types of experiences. And and in the end, it, I just felt so, I felt really uplifted by the whole thing in a completely, in a way that blew my mind, actually. Really blew my mind. And you must have had amazing feedback from the audience, right? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was, and I still got the messages on my phone, actually, um, because, Aww. yeah, uh, you know, there's not many things you do in broadcasting that you're really proud of. And actually, I think I was... That was the thing I'm most proud I ever did because it was very personal. It was really scary and it changed... Sounds really naff, but I know, I know it changed people's lives uh, because mm. of what people said to me then, what people say to me now, and people still come up to me and say, you know, I, I've changed, you know, I've carried on doing my job or whatever it is. And for me, one of the one of the really emotional things about people getting in touch was not just the women getting in touch, but it was their loved ones. It was their husbands, partners. I remember a text, which I've still got on, or a tweet um, from a boy who was 14, and he goes... I'm hormonal, my mum's hormonal, it's no surprise we don't get on at the moment, but I love her. And I just thought, you know what, that's oh really... Oh my God. I know, it's cute, isn't it? And I just thought... got it. Amazing. The kind of empathy, yeah, the empathy that we all, so many people got that week and the way that, I think, as again, going back to that vulnerability piece, the, the, I was so vulnerable and people were able to see that in their loved ones and go, oh gosh, you know, there's a reason mm. and it's okay. It's going to be okay. Mm. 
you're making me quite emotional, you you three, by the way. <laughs> well, I, honestly, but you know what? I'm, we're all we're all sitting here, Louise, and honestly, like I just said to you, there would be no effing hormones without that oh, week. And so it's just, just thank amazing. You, you see, thank it's just you. The, you know, it rolls on, doesn't it? And you'll be changing lives, and you'll be changing conversations for people, and that's just I'm, I, honestly, it's. I mean, thank you. It's brilliant. I mean. One of the things that I think is most amazing now, I mean, we're looking at this, you know, post sort of Davina's documentary on Channel 4 yeah. and everything. And that was a big moment as well, wasn't it? Yeah. But one of the things that I think is so amazing about what's happened over the past couple of years or so with the menopause conversation is that women are getting together to talk about it. And that's what Effing Hormones is all about. But we've had guests on as well talking about how, you know, after seeing things on BBC Breakfast and then after the Davina documentary as well, they're now getting just informal groups of women together at work yeah. in the work place to talk and support each other because you know we can't diagnose each other we can't provide each other with medication or anything like that but ultimately that breaking of the taboo and coming together to talk about it is the thing that is supporting and uplifting women the Mm. most and that's the thing that I feel so passionate about that has been such a positive change. And for me, um, what what continues and why I continue to do work on it, and partic- what I particularly concerns me, is that people come up to me all the time and say, you know, I'm considering leaving my job because of this. And I just think, mm. you know, we're all at, mm. at, at and there are people, you know, as we, as you well know, and you'll have talked about it on the podcast, there are people who go through it at a much younger age. But what strikes me is that these are women who are right in a really crucial time in their lives where. You know, you know, I'm never going to get a more responsible job than being main presenter on BBC Breakfast. So you might be, you're really responsible in your job. You've got a family possibly that either children or parents who rely on you. And you are a keystone, you're a cornerstone, aren't you, in so many parts of your family and your friendships. And I just think, you know, that people, and, and look at all the people who, you know, women who are going through menopause, who are literally supporting the backbone of the NHS. You know, we need to be okay. We mm. need everyone to be okay for the NHS to run, for families to be okay. So it's just so important to me that the information is out there, the support is out there, and people don't feel so desperate that they, I, I, I interviewed someone the other day who, she was running a really busy A&E department she was in charge of an A&E department and then literally was unable to make any decisions because of of, of, you know going through perimenopause but you know so this is so it's really important to me that you know we get help to people and whether it's support or whether it's getting you know medication whatever it is it's so important yeah well I mean I know you've done a lot of work you've done work with the British Menopause Society on Mm -hmm. a film looking at employers and and how they can change things what did that leave you with? What sort of things do you think employers should be doing better to support women at this time of their lives? For me, it's about what the one of the most important things is that sort of first conversation, you know, to be able not to feel mortified to go and have to tell your boss. So that's the, to, so for somehow to make those conversations okay or somewhere that you can go to and have a conversation without people judging you, without that fear that they're going to say, oh, well, she's not even, mm. she can't even do her job anymore. I mean, I've told lots of people this story, but um, I mean, for me, there was one moment when I was on BBC Breakfast and I was interviewing George Osborne, day after the budget, so a massively important day. And he was standing outside a JCB factory and I couldn't say JCB. I mean, it's just absolutely mortifying, oh mortifying, <laughs> mm. and and you know, mm. I mean, I didn't really realise at the time what was going on. I was just like, I'm, I, there's something seriously wrong with me. But so I think so a safe space for those first conversations, and then also for me, for me, it's about 
you know, because you can have all the policies you like, but actually it's really individual. You know, my issue was the heating in the studio. Yours might be, I can't even guess what it might be, but it might be, you know, it could be around having to have slightly flexible, more more flexible hours, whatever. So openness to that first conversation and flexibility, but individual flexibility, because it may be for a short time. It may be, I don't, you know, whatever it may I mean, I've got a friend of mine who finds it really difficult to remember words, for example. And I know when it's, she's going through that. So I just go like, I think, do you mean blah? And she, do you sort of mean? So it, there's, it's different for everybody. But So I, I think policies are great, but it can't be uniform. You just put the fear of God into me. It's just horrible, isn't it, having that brain fog and not being able to remember the word when you are a national broadcaster. It must be even more horrific. I just, yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, I just thought... I, have I got Alzheimer's? You know, what What on earth is... Mm. And everybody would be looking at me, quite rightly, be going, she can't even say JCB. Why is she interviewing the Chancellor? Um, but, you know, there'll be other people in meetings who, um, you know, important meetings who'll forget the name of their colleague that they've known for 20 years. You know, it's really... Oh, it's awful, isn't it? Anyway, so I just think, you know, ability to talk about it and be able to say, look, this is the reason why that happens sometimes. And when it happens, just... You know, you know the ability to go. I'm so sorry. I'm just sorry. I'm just having a moment. It's about patience and understanding, isn't it? Ultimately, exactly, Helen. So, Louise, let's talk now about you and uh, specifically sport and loving exercise because it's something you adore. I mean, I literally have done the cliched just been for my gym induction this evening in the beginning of January, of course. And I found myself on the treadmill running up a hill in Tibet. And I was like, what am I? Why am I doing this? And I was like, it's because I'm interviewing Louise next. And I'm like, you inspired me to do something <laughs> ridiculous. It wasn't a real mountain in Tibet, but it was hard, harder than I've ever pushed myself on the treadmill. Now, is there a link between all these extreme sporty things that you, you're doing, you know, and trying to get through the menopause, do you think? Oh, 100%. And actually, if you look at my sporting journey and my menopause journey, they absolutely started at the same time. I didn't realise that until I kind of looked back. So age 45, I started going through per- having perimenopause. Age 45, I decided that I would take up sport, having not done sport seriously <laughs> for 30 years. Brilliant. So wow. for me, it's Amazing. yeah, no, wow. abs- it's absolute madness. Um, for me, it's very much part of. I think it sounds like there's lots of things to it. It's taking back control. It is being in a safe space. So when I'm running, swimming, biking, I am doing what I want to do without any interruptions and without any kind of intrusive, worrying thoughts. Do you see what I mean? It's not an anxious yeah. place for me. It's a safe place. And, and I, that is know, so important, always... isn't it? Because a lot of women report on the fact that they have terrible anxiety and they're not themselves and they go yeah. through real depressions as well, which they never had before. For the last 45 years, didn't have any problems with anxiety and then it hit me like a ton of bricks at 45. So Did sport it. can really get it, get you out of that, can't it? In a bit. I think it's two things. It's first of all, when I'm doing it, I'm not thinking about anything else. Do you sort of mean? So when I'm in a pool, um, you know, I'm just, and nobody can get hold of me or anything. So there's that bit. And then there's also, it's it's like a virtuous circle, isn't it? So you go do the sport so that I get a bit of quiet time and quiet brain time. And then, you know, for me, and not everybody gets this, I understand, but afterwards I feel amazing. So all those endorphins and all that adrenaline, like buzzes around my body. So I found it was absolutely brilliant and really, really helpful. It didn't completely knock things on the head for me, but it was 
so much part of my kind of self-care and sort of self-medication actually so it was really lucky and you and it's apps they both started exactly the same time um and for me you know yoga is incredibly helpful all every single bit really really makes a difference to me oh yeah we're big big yoga with adrian fans oh my gosh isn't she amazing Yes. Are you doing? Are you doing? Have you done? Are you doing centre? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I'm a bit behind. Yeah. What I'm, day are you I'm on? I'm a bit behind. I'm one. I'm, I'm one day behind. Oh, I'm. I'm a bit more than one day. Terry, what what day is it? I, I'm on day. I did day eight earlier. Yeah. <laughs> it's day eleven yeah. now. I'm on day six. Oh, it's so good though, isn't it? Brilliant. And it's nice. Do you know what? It's nice because every morning I do it because it makes me feel better. Because I often wake up sort of achy. And I do think, actually, oh, there's going to be all these other women across the UK that we're going to be doing this right now. Oh, have you had her on the podcast? No, oh, I'd love her on the podcast. God. We were, we're obsessed with her. Adrian, come on, Effing Hormones, we love you. <laughs> we're Benji. And Benji, we're a bit infatuated, aren't we? Benji. <laughs> I had no idea yeah. I was in, in a kind of like Adrian cult, but I just, I absolutely love oh, her. Yeah. I've done, I've been doing uh, that yoga with her. I think it started in COVID. Is that when you, when you found her or did you find yes, her before? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, this, yeah, yeah, three out of four of you are doing the current one, but I did do the previous ones. I discovered her in COVID. And yeah, she got me through. She got me through COVID. She got me through too. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. So there's. So I think. Well, this is a free advert for you, Adrienne. Now you've got to get on on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You're award-winning, don't you know? But but I just think, I think, I think it's really important for me. And again, you know, the the reason I do my, I'm going to do, I'm going to podcast plug here. Her Spirit podcast is because Mm -hmm. you know I just think. If you can find, and again, it's about finding your why or your sport, isn't it? If you can find that one thing, that one thing in your day, whether it's Adrian or it's running your mountains in Tibet that aren't really in Tibet, Emma, but imagine if you could run <laughs> the mountains in Tibet. Um, that's what I'd be thinking. I just think it's 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 very important. And it's about, you know, just taking a little bit of time. We've all got busy lives, as I said, a little bit of time just for yourself. And I just think it makes a massive difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell us a bit about this um, Her Spirit podcast. Before that, actually, is it your fault that you have you encouraged our mutual friend Sam Walker to do the London Marathon? Is this is this all part of the Her Spirit? It is. Thing? It's basically infectious. <laughs> so, so yes. Just so you know, guys, you, you're listening. Sam Walker. We, Sam Walker used to work at the BBC, so we all worked with Sam, and we all know Sam. And she uh, will be on a future episode. Actually, and she's so. coming on the next episode the next of Effing Hormones. Yeah. Is she okay? Well, I'll talk to you about Sam. I've, I worked with Sam Walker for everybody who's listening many years ago on Five Live, and she is she is she actually produces my podcast as well. Um, and the, so my, the Her Spirit podcast is really about, and the Her Spirit community um, is about trying to encourage women to take up moving. Really, nothing more, you know, but mm. as part of their lives. And this this season, what we're doing, we've taken two women on, and we're taking them on in like a twelve week journey. Uh, one of them is in her fifties, and she wants to do her first sprint triathlon. Um, she does. Wow. She does. She does swim, but she she doesn't even know whether her bike works at this point. Another and another um, taking another lovely lady who's got who's had breast cancer and wants to run her te- a ten k. So what we try and do is just try and kind of like you know there are so many barriers to doing sport, and it might be that you don't like getting your hair wet, or it, that you know there's a million reasons why you don't want to run or you don't want to be on your bike. And we just try and basically break down the barriers, talk about what's scary, and try and encourage people to do things that are going to make them feel better. And we've done one brilliant thing, you know, we do um, 
one which called Couch to Kilo, which is about lifting weights, you know, and you can follow a course oh. doing that. But yeah, so that's what we're doing this season. And I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm doing my own journey because I'm doing the London Marathon with Sam. And this is the thing. Oh, What's wow. so brilliant about Sam was so not going to be doing. I mean, I'm not sure she's done much running at all. I might be completely no, no. doing well, a disservice here, Sam, if you're listening. I, I, yeah. Well, no, listen, I actually lived with her for a year and I never saw her run for as much as a bus. <laughs> exactly. There you go. So Sam, having produced the podcast for the last six months, is now running the London Marathon. Wow. I can't believe it. I need to sponsor thing. both of you and give you lots of money. Okay, I was going to say, like, you know, what words of inspiration have you got for, for our listeners who might be thinking, what do you mean? Get out, get off the sofa, we're going to do a couch to 5K. And now you're telling us all this and I'm like, I can do it. <laughs> exactly. But, but, but that's what I think that's the thing. And I think um, if I can do it, that you can all do it. Because I'm a trier. Yeah, the London Marathon is going to be hard. Get, don't get me wrong, because I've just I had a knee operation last year, and I literally couldn't I couldn't walk after the knee operation in July. So I've got a long way to go. But I just think, what do I think? I think you're gonna. For me, I always I I'm not I'm not saying I necessarily love the running. I always love the feeling after it. Okay, so that's yeah. what I focus on. This is what people who do running say, and it's like, well, I it's like banging your head against a brick wall. It's nice when you stop. <laughs> That's not a great endorsement of this exercise, is it? Well, what, well when you've done that, 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 that Tibetan mountain, to how did you feel, Emma? <laughs> Come on, how did you feel? I felt fantastic when I got back from the gym this evening. I felt on top of the world. I said to my girlfriend, it was a short workout. I only did, an, I only did a kilometre and a half, but it was up a mountain in Tibet, and I feel amazing. There you go. That is the reason why. Okay, and I even okay. notice it now because I'm, I'm as I said, I'm, I'm, I don't even like running very much, but I've noticed because I'm doing it on Insta and, and posting, and and I literally in a run I'll go and blah 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 at the beginning I'm like oh yeah I'm going to go for a run and then at the end I'm like oh yeah and anyway it was like this and I'm so overexcited it's absolutely brilliant I understand not everybody gets that but I I feel very lucky I do definitely get a huge massive boost from the adrenaline or endorphins, whatever, serotonin, whatever is whizzing around my body. And I've just come back. So today, the reason I'm late is I've just come back from my first <laughs> session. I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I did this. Going to track running. And I was last on the track and it was raining and it was cold and I feel fabulous. Brilliant. And late. Good for you. Well, we can't keep you too long, can we? Because you're going to need to get your protein. No, that's true. Afterwards. That's a good point. Mm. We know all about that. We did it on a previous episode. Did you? Did you? Protein's really important. But no, I just think, I think for me, if we can just pass on those messages with menopause, but also with movement as well, because I think we can just, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be expensive. You know, running is not an expensive sport. You need, you, do, you need a pair of trainers, but then mm. you, you can run, you know, outside. It's not, you know, you don't have to go to a gym. Well, you, you inspired me there. Crikey. <laughs> Are you in? Are you in? Well, I'm, I'm sticking with Adrian for now. I bet you're really strong. <laughs> it's a bit, bit, lots more lying down. That's moving. <laughs> I know. Do you know what? Actually, do you know what? I've got like little abs under. You I will. mean, I've still got like a little. Yeah, but I've got a little roll of tummy over the top of it. But there, I can see because I've been doing it for like t- nearly two years now, and I, I can feel my core feels really strong. And yeah, do you know well. what? I feel really great because of that. I, I feel like yeah. And she, she has a little mantra, doesn't she? Where she's, you whisper to yourself, I am strong. Yeah, <laughs> I've forgotten that. <laughs> I am strong. I love that. We are strong. Find what it. feels good. It. Yeah. <laughs> I know what feels good when I'm doing it. It's just lying there. <laughs> Apart from Adrienne and uh, marathons, is there anything else that's really helped get you through the menopause, Louise? 
chatting, friends. I think I was early because I've got some, my, my, my best mates are a whole lot of university friends, actually. So that's a very long time ago now. And I think I was first of them to go through things. So, you know, people always come up to me and they kind of whisper to me going, Louise, can you give me a bit of a clue about this, that, the other? And I play this brilliant game, which I made up, by the way, called Menopause Bingo. So print out the <laughs> oh, yeah. 34 most common symptoms of menopause, right? Yeah. Yep. And play bingo. Yeah. Yep. With your friends. 100% up for this. Tell you what, when I was at my worst, I was 26. 26 symptoms I was. Ooh. Oh, in our first series, we had a feature called um, we had a feature called Perry Trumps in the, in our first <laughs> season you? of Effing Hormones, and um, I gave every single one of the symptoms a score, and everyone had to like, and we had a scoreboard. And um, I think the winner, well, this was like the game that you don't want to win. It was like mm-hmm. the black sense of humour with it. And bless, you know, um, Sue Devaney, you know, from Coronation Street. And uh, yeah. she was on Dinner Ladies, Dinner Ladies and, and yeah. Albie City. She got, she scored 125. And, we, and I was like, just to give you a comparison, I was like 67. It was like, Sue, how many of these symptoms have you gone through? Anyway, I, I think she might have scored board of doom. She, yeah. she might have been bad at maths as well because I don't think it all added up to that much on the actual score sheet. No oh, that's funny. <laughs> anyway, it was very high. She'd had everything. But this is it. We're having a laugh about it now. I mean, this again, this is what Effie and Hormans is all about. Like, trying to have a laugh where you can, speaking together as a community, yeah. talking to your mates and just... We, we, we like to have a good swear as well, Louise. <laughs> yeah, and I, I know it's not for everybody, but on a serious note, I mean, so exercise, uh, friendships, and also, um, to be honest with you, HRT. And I know that's not for everybody, and I'm sure you have lots of different opinions on that, but thank goodness for that, to be honest with you. We've tended to wear on the, on the because uh, we've gone through this whole journey of like, you know, so many people have been given antidepressants, and, you know, there was that study, and there was the misunderstandings around that study. You know, we've been through all of that. We've yeah. spoken to Kate Muir, who produced the, the, the Davina documentary, and, and, and her thoughts on that. We've had Dr. Louise Newson on a couple of months ago as well, who gave us loads of really useful information about that. So, yeah. uh, but except our Emma can't get hold of her progesterone at the moment, oh, can yeah. you, mate? HRT mm. saved me, but now there's a national shortage of progesterone. So, uh, yeah, I need to work oh, out. Dear. There's still a lot to fight for, isn't there? There's just yeah. Yeah, Last year was estrogen, and now people can't get hold of progesterone. I'm going to go and check my supplies. Yeah, do. That's absolutely ridiculous that you can't get it, Emma, isn't it? It's not good. Let's put it that way. Let's put it that way. Uh, Before we finish, though, Louise, I don't know how you've had time to fit this in in between everything else you do and running marathons. You've got a book coming out. You've been putting together a book as well. What can you tell us about this? Um, I'm so excited about it. I really can't tell you very much about it because I'm on like a publicity lockdown, but you're going to love it, I promise you. Um, It's about amazing women. It's called Fearless. I did a previous book called, oh, no, it's over over there in my bookshelf, called Dare to Try, T-R-I. So that's all about triathlon. But this is really about um, lots of different women who are doing incredible things through sport and in sport. And one of the things that, you know, kind of really motivates me in life is um, I don't particularly think that women's stories get told in the same way mm-hmm. as perhaps mm. men do. And that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so read the book and hopefully, you know, it's a celebration of incredible women doing incredible things. And it's been a brilliant year um, as I say I can't, it's, it's, it sounds terrible because I can't tell you too much about it at the moment but it's been a real back on in the summer and series of adventures that hopefully you'll enjoy and they're really heartwarming stories so I'm so excited about it super excited 25th of May it's out mm, can't oh, wait sounds awesome oh, fabulous. and I'm sure there's some kick-ass menopausal women in it I hope 
there's a lot of kick-ass. <laughs> Probably <laughs> mostly from me. <laughs> Brilliant. Love to hear that. There's That's a lot amazing. of kick-ass, badass, lots of ass, ass, whatever. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my kind of book. We welcome that. <laughs> Bring it on. Oh, Louise, that's awesome. Just going to ask you about, you know, you were saying it might be career limiting to, as you said, out yourself. I just mm. wondered if you've ever had any regrets about that. I've never had any regrets. Um, I no, really haven't, good. actually. And I feel it, it's kind of one of those double-edged swords because I thought of think, you know, I have now, of course, left my job on BBC Breakfast. And I kind of, sometimes I sort of think, gosh, maybe I've left, let the side down because I have left and I was menopausal. But it had nothing to do with that. And actually... Oh. Going back to that menopause superpower, maybe the menopause superpower empowered me to be able to do it and to be brave enough to leave my job. Because again, that was a really, mm. you know, I thought about that a lot. And to leave, you know, such mm. an incredible job and to kind of go into the great unknown, again, was a bit like taking that decision about talking about menopause. And I don't, I don't know, I have no regrets at all about either talking about menopause or, you know, deciding to move on. And, you know, it's a great thing in life, isn't it, to be able to make make choices when you can make yeah. the choice so I feel yeah maybe that was part of it actually funny enough yeah well we do keep saying and we do keep hearing from other women that actually you know one of the positive sides of all of this is that you go through all this stuff and actually it can be a complete rebirth I mean you know yeah doing this podcast has been absolutely revelatory for me and we've had lots of inspiring stories haven't we girls yeah yeah they do call it the change don't they and, and change isn't always a negative thing, you know. Change is a very positive thing as well. And actually, all the women that we've spoken to have had positive things. Have they? I think I think change is challenging for you know. It's really challenging because you know I've 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 t- turned my life upside down, um, and I think it's challenging for other people as well. But you're right. It's a good, you know. Sometimes it's good to not know what's going to happen or all the rest of it. And I'm not saying that's not scary or you know, worrying and lots of different levels. But it's been it's been it's been really good. And I think menopause, you're right, if it can give you a chance to just kind of you know, I feel very privileged to be able to kind of turn things you know, just turn off and do something different. But yeah, that's def it's definitely down to being a bit of a kind of like superpower. Like you you know, we've been through a lot, haven't we? And we and it teaches you about resilience and being able to take on challenges. I feel a bit nervous saying that. <laughs> But now I'm a writer. <laughs> yeah, oh, come, listen. Watch this space. Come on, you've done Own it. I mean, I was just looking over your social media and like, you know, you've cycled across the Andes, you've become a triathlete. Do you know what I mean? I think you can safely say that you've taken on and like achieved quite a few challenges. Do you know what I mean? I'm I certainly enjoying it. That. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> oh. Well, we've loved talking to you. Thank you oh, so listen. much. And thank you so much. And I'm so touched. I'm so touched as well that, um, you know, this came from a conversation that start- I started with my lovely producer, Lisa, and I hope she listens to this, by the way, you know, three, four years ago. And I- I'm just well done and carry on doing great stuff. It's really, it's great. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you, thank you for being an absolute yeah. inspiration. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Louise Mitchell, everybody. Well, sadly, that is it for this episode. But don't panic. We will be back in a month or so. In the meantime, check out all things F in Hormones at fnhormones.com. And of course, we've got a Facebook group that you can get involved in as well. And don't forget to rate, review and follow this podcast so that more people can find us and join in the joy and spread the love. 
Thank you so much. Bye. I feel like I need a lighter. <laughs> Join in the love. Love that copywriting, Goswell. <laughs> love that. I'm wasted here, Helen. Absolutely wasted. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Wembley. <laughs> okay. Oh, that'll do. Turning it off now. <laughs>